Welcome to Timely Wisdom with Drs. Alice Bradford, Sarita Wright, Brenda Wallace, Carolyn Carlisle, and I am Venice D. Burns. You can watch us live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Follow us on Facebook. Subscribe on YouTube. Today our guest is Reverend Jewel London, leading from the second chair. This was recorded on May 4th, 2021. Comparable, Reverend Jewel M. London. Woo-wee. Jewel serves on staff at Brook Hollow Baptist Church, affectionately known as the Church Without Walls in Houston, Texas. She serves as the pastoral assistant to Dr. Ralph D. West, pastor and founder. There she she supports Dr. West by giving leadership to the clergy, liturgy, ordinances, council of ministries, transitional teams, disaster relief and recovery efforts and preaching and teaching when assigned. I got tired just reading that. Jewel has led these leaders through numerous ministry initiatives designed to undergird the vision of the pastor to build monuments, momentum, and encourage ministry development while ministering to the needs of this congregation over 10,000 families. Jewel currently serves as the national leadership team for the Progressive National Baptist Convention, Houston Metropolitan Ministers Conference, the Governance Board of the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, the Board of Advocates for Baylor University, George W. Truett Theological Seminary, and Truett's African-American Preaching Conference. She is a founding board member for the Texas Baptist Women in Ministry and previously served on the leadership team for the National Baptist Women in Ministry. She's a perpetual student. Jewel has matriculated and lectured in a number of colleges and universities, as well as theological studies, including the E.K. Bailey Expository Preaching Conference, Calvary Theological Seminary, George W. Truett Theological Seminary, Proclaimers Place, Regents Park College at the University of Oxford, the American University of Paris, and the list goes on and on and on. In the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic, Jewel curated an intimate space of sharing and learning called Let's Talk. It's a phenomenal season for her, where she gathers women in ministry every week. Her sermons and reflective writings are featured in nationally published works, Oxford Sermons, Volume 3. This is what a preacher looks like and what we love about the Black church. Come on, my sisters and brothers, why don't you welcome our sister, the Reverend Jewel M. London. Come on, say hello to Reverend Jewel. Love on her a little bit because she's <laughs> on everybody else. Love on her. <laughs> that Reverend Jewel. How you doing? I am wonderful. And thank you all so much for inviting me to join in this amazing space. I've been watching you for over the past several, I think it's probably been over a year now, right? It has. And so I've had a chance to drop in and watch and get all the good nuggets. And uh, yeah, so it's an honor, honor to be in this seat today. Thank you so much. (laughs) 
No, it's an honor that, that you're here. We are so grateful that you're here because you make space for women across the world, a sacred space for them to just talk and love on each other. And I'm a recipient of that. And I just love you, Jewel. Love I want, you know, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the one question that we ask every guest, how you doing in these COVID streets? You want the whole truth and nothing but the truth? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, um, as a matter of fact, that's how Let's Talk began was because I just wasn't uh, doing great. Uh, a lot was happening so fast, wasn't quite sure what was going on. And, and I was like, man, if I'm feeling overwhelmed and with everything that's happening, I wonder how other women in ministry are doing as well. And so I just put a post on Facebook one day and say, if you're a woman in ministry, you know, why don't you join me at this date and time? And it has really helped to keep me uh, grounded uh, in COVID just to be able to have that fellowship and sisterhood. And I tell you, uh, it is true that men should not be alone. Well, guess what? Women need the sisterhood to help make it through uh, this journey because it is more than a notion. And for anybody who's doing perfect in COVID, God bless you. God bless you, because that has not been that has not been my journey. But one of the things I am grateful for is just to know that we can even virtually hold hands and arms, lock arms one together, and uh, just really have those moments uh, where we can be true to who we are uh, and not be uh, judged for it. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are some great things, of course, that have come out in COVID, uh, but there's also, it's just been a challenge, you know, with watching loved ones and family members uh, lose uh, one another and, um, you know, being able to uh, see people go through, even in the midst of COVID, the natural disasters that we've had. So it's just been, it's been a lot. It's been a lot. Can we just tell the truth? It's just been a lot. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. Um, we this is a this is a truth serum. Dr. Barbara, just just a second before you, you jump in. I, I see everybody putting in here J Lo. J tell us tell us about who, who is J Lo. <laughs> that's me. That's me. <laughs> One of my uh previous ministry friends uh in a ministry that I served in, he used to call me Reverend J Lo, uh Jewel London J Lo. So uh yeah, so I just kind of held on to it and uh that look, everybody think I have this great and wonderful uh serious personality. Uh and I do, I do. <laughs> but I like to have fun and listen to rap music and all that stuff too. So, you know. That's just my down to earth, you know, elbow shoulder rubbing uh, personality. <laughs> oh, that tickles me. Um, yeah, well, see, we weren't going there. So since we since she took us there, hey J Lo. Hey. <laughs> like when you say, hey girl, hey. <laughs> you know, you have a phenomenal story, and most people don't know your story. Tell us, just tell us a snippet of your story, if you will. Well, I grew up in Houston, Texas. I am the uh, daughter of a minister. Um, and uh, in, I can start out with this heavy. And 
that is my parents uh, divorced early uh, in my life. Uh, it wasn't until later on that I found out that they were married twice, married, got divorced, married again. Um, and then this, the last time my father actually uh, divorced my mother and married another woman in the church. And so, uh, oh yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I can be honest and say that I wanted nothing to do with the church, absolutely nothing. Um, I was probably the, the heathen of the family, the smart heathen, because I always had my face in the books and studying. And, you know, I remember there were times when my mom would say, you know, let's go to church and I always had an excuse and said, no, you know, I got to study. And so I avoided that as much as possible. Um, and uh, it's amazing to me. I always said that God had a sense of humor because although I didn't want to have anything to do with church, it wasn't until probably my young adult years that God really began to speak to me. And I remember I was pregnant with my second child and my beloved sister uh, took me to a friend of hers and they were laying hands and praying over me and speaking in tongues and all mm -hmm. that stuff. And I was sitting there looking like, I don't know what y'all doing. Uh, but uh, I didn't understand it. Didn't you know make sense. But baby, let me tell you something. Probably about three months later, Probably about four months later, I was sitting on the floor in my room and uh, just dealing with some tough situations. And I began to say, Lord, you know, if you are real, you know, then make yourself known to me. And all of a sudden, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit just dropped down on me by myself. So I was accepted Jesus Christ. I didn't get a chance to walk down the aisle. I uh, just accepted Jesus Christ. Uh, sitting on the side of my bed and got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, began uh, speaking in tongues myself. And uh, yeah, and so that began, and then it seemed like it was just full speed ahead because uh, God instantly uh, put me in a situation where I began to uh, want to learn and grow uh, and experience the love of Jesus Christ and learn about the word of God and um, and then all of a sudden, you know, ministry came uh, and that was the beginning of the journey for me. So it's been over 25 years uh, now, almost 30 years that I've been in ministry. And again, sense the humor from her who wanted absolutely nothing to do with uh, church and the word and Jesus and all the above. And now you can't keep <laughs> me out of church. <laughs> I want to get everybody else in church too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This that's a powerful story. And hearing hearing that and knowing you, I see that in every area of your life, moving and pivoting and growing people and loving on people and sharing the gospel with them and and strengthening them. It, it's just um, it's an amazing. Um, it's amazing to watch from where I am. I'd, I'd like to kind of pivot into where you are now. You serve um, Dr. Ralph West. I, you serve as a pastoral assistant um, for Ralph West. And I know it can be difficult being, we call it the second one, the second in charge or being there for him and with him. 
How do you navigate not usurping the power of your pastor? That's actually pretty easy for me. Um, And I say that from the perspective that it comes from a space of gratitude. Um, Has, we call it affectionately calling past, has uh, created this opportunity for me. Uh, It was a role that did not exist uh, before. And when I first came to the church, I wanted to be very open and honest about where I believe God um, was calling me to, which was to serve in a pastoral role in ministry. And probably about, um, it was several months later uh, that he came. He said, remember we had that conversation? And he said, I believe I can help you. Uh, And so he uh, created this space and opportunity uh, for me to be able to serve uh, alongside of him. And uh, the, as time went on, then more, he began to release more responsibility in my hands. So I say that to say that it didn't just start out that way. You know, he gave me a little bit more responsibility and a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Uh, And so that's why I say it was easy for me, because keep in mind, I came from the part of the story I didn't tell was I came from a place where women in ministry uh, were not uh, widely accepted. Uh, As a matter of fact, you could not uh, enter in a church with pants on. As a matter of fact, there are still churches in Houston that have signs on the door that says cannot enter if you have pants on. Um, And I remember specifically attending a wedding. Uh, I was, uh, uh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. I want you to finish your story. You said that the, the signs churches that, that have signs on the churches. Oh yeah. That, that, te- that say what you I'm sorry. That what you what what you can on the door on the door of the church. Yeah, she can you, get it out. Yes. Yeah. So you can't you can't even um walk in the sanctuary. You can't even walk in a sanctuary. And I remember uh, me and my family were actually going to pick up angel tree gifts at a church one day. And and, uh, there was um, a sign. And I actually had on pants. I had on pants. And um, there was a sign on the door that says women cannot enter. And so the usher came to the door and she said, I'm so sorry, ma'am. But, you know, we can't allow you to enter. I mean, I was dressed very nicely. You know, very nicely, very nicely. <laughs> uh, it was a pantsuit. But, and uh, uh, my husband at the time, you know, had on bleeding. I said, well, he has on jeans. And she said, but he's a man. Oh! He's a man. Oh. So, you know, so I did not totally enter the sanctuary. So does it totally discount the scripture, whosoever will let him come? Oh, yeah, no. And, and, and you were bring and you all you were bringing gifts to the church. So we were actually collecting gifts. So that Collect, we collecting gifts. gifts. Okay. Angel tree and 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 they they stopped you at the door. Yeah, I could not enter. So so I'm just curious. I'm curious, and I know this is is is, is but I'm curious. So what what happens to churches that do that? Does someone? A woman who's who wants to come off the street to receive Christ, so she can't come inside no. to. Not with pants on. Hmm. If she has on pants, no. Not I've never all. heard that before. Oh, welcome to Texas. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> on the door. 
-hmm. Yeah, very traditional, very traditional environments. They still exist. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm like, I'm like Dr. Dr. Sarita. So when they say open the doors of the church, that <laughs> it it didn't mean us, Dr. Wallace. Okay, and so and Sherry Sherry Small, I think she said, but wait, what if the women's pants? But you said you had on you with your husband with the pants, so your husband was fine. Okay, I'm just looking at all. Your husband was fine with what you had on. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was fine. He was okay with that. And like I said, he had on jeans, um, but you know he was permitted, you know, in the sanctuary to, you know, to uh, pick up, you know, whatever we were there for. And then, uh, but I wasn't. And as a matter of fact, I attended a wedding of a friend, and I was, you know, just moving around taking some pictures of them. Um, and I went up, and now I had on a dress this day. But I was moving up towards the steps so I can get an aerial view. And they immediately stopped me from coming because I was a woman. So a woman was not permitted anywhere near the, um, the pulpit area. And I was, again, just taking pictures. So as a, even as a photographer, whatever the case may be, just, just no access. So, so I see all of that to say that um, being a woman... Uh, and at that time, I was not in ministry. Um, you know, the opportunities were extremely uh, difficult. And then even after announcing um, a call, you know, the space for that just was not available. Uh, so it, it took a long time um, and uh, to be able to, to find an opportunity uh, to be able to serve. And so... Uh, even my, you know, family members, family members, like women can be, you know, missionaries and teachers, but cannot be preachers, you know, that type of thing. So, yeah, it was, it's rough. Te let, me, let me just be honest. Texas is tough ground for, even today, is still tough ground for women in ministry. I would agree with you 100%. Um, Reverend Simpson, she's saying, I used to attend a church in Houston. Um, like that in the 90s. They have, she says they have since evolved. Mm. God bless them. Thank you. Lord. God bless them. There <laughs> are a lot of churches who have, but there are some still very small traditional congregations who hold to those tenets that women, one, uh, cannot be ministers or preachers, and then two, uh, certainly cannot wear pants in a sanctuary. Just, just not an option. Reverend um, Deborah Bell is saying it's like that in Mississippi as well. Mm -hmm. So what scripture are they using for this? <laughs> I was waiting for No idea. You know, it gets to a point in time in your ministry where you just say, you know, either I'm going to trust God or I'm not. And what one of the things that delivered me was a, a gentleman said, I only heard one calling and that was my own. And so in other words, that he would not contest uh, when someone else uh, said that God had called him. So that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about advocacy uh, for women in ministry, especially in Texas and especially being Baptist, uh, because there are so many women who are still bound by those perspectives. Mm -hmm. today. So I guess I want to kind of go back to your role and where you are. What advice would you give those who are associate ministers? Be patient. That again? Be patient. 
Yeah, be patient. And and here's the reason why I say that is because a lot of times when we're so passionate and driven in ministry, um, I believe that there are times that God will send you to a place uh, to make a difference. Uh, I believe there are times when God will uh, send you a place to grow up and develop. Uh, and I believe there are times when God will send you to a place for both. And so you want to be discerning uh, of the Holy Spirit uh, to understand what is my assignment at that particular time and place. And then there are times it's like, you know, it doesn't make sense. Like, God, why are you sending me here? And for whatever reason God has sent you and assigned you, it's just a matter of being patient and allowing the Holy Spirit to do uh, his work uh, in you and through you and bloom where you planted until God tells you to move and do otherwise. Wow. Go ahead. No, Dr. Bradford. I keep hearing. Okay. Go ahead, love, Uh, because I think we're so excited because of what's going on and and the things that have happened in Houston, Louisiana, Mississippi. It's, It's overwhelming that in 2021, you're still having the same conversation. You're still having these same issues where a woman can't come to the pulpit. A woman can't step in the church without, without a dress. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And thank you for that, Dr. Bradford, because um, I, I realized that I I was so excited about hearing the answer to the question that you just huh. answered, but I realized that my mind was still stuck. Still <laughs> at um, at that not I'm, I'm not a native Texan, um, and I'm much very much aware that when I came into Texas, that there were there were um, there were some strongholds um, that that my mere presence caused to rise up because I was a woman, but I wasn't, but but not they, they were different strongholds, um, and 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 not knowing um, what what they are and still learning seven years later, still learning perhaps what they are. And, but to think that, um, I don't know any other way to put this, that a church would be so trifling as to put up a sign to say to say to a woman that she can't come in because of her clothing. Um, I just, I just don't know where Jesus is in that. And so I, I'm trying, I'm trying to move forward and I know this not what you're here for, but, but but you you threw open that you threw through through this window door wide open and you threw a wrench in that thing so I'm like how dare you how dare you what uh-uh I, I just want you to pay attention to, to Dr. Wright here she can't even get words out <laughs> she can't get them out because I- because of what she's experiencing in her heart and her mind right now. It doesn't make sense. And, and I, you know, I, the sad thing is uh, all that energy, you know, all that energy being put into trying to suppress and to hold down an abuse of power and control. The Bible says control is such as the spirit of witchcraft. Hello, somebody that controlling spirit. We got somebody over here on the side of the road that needs to know about a relationship 
with the true and a living God. And they can't move past the fact that A, you had on pants, B, you a woman, and anything else. And it, it's it's unfortunate that we're still stuck with that nonsense because that's really what it is. Yeah, because um, if they would have allowed Reverend Jewel London, M. London, J-Lo in that place, it would have transformed the entire church. Mm. Do you hear me? So my, my. they're lost. Thank you, Lord. Moving on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, we're gonna we're try. We're trying. We're gonna try to to move but on. You know what? Doctor J Lo, I'm gonna speak it into existence, Doctor J Lo. Yes. Um, you have scratched a uh, a pain mm-hmm. from my childhood as a Baptist. Yeah. Now we didn't have a note on the door. But they had this invisible fence where you could not come in the pulpit if you were a woman. In fact, I really thought as a child, women would be struck dead if they graced the pulpit. So they always had to stand on the floor. (laughs) To this, my aunt went home to glory, calling me a missionary. And I was ordained American Baptist. She could not oh. find a way. So you have you just told a scab off of a pain that I thought I had worked through, but it's still there. You know, when you to deny someone to serve the law in spirit and in truth is a sin. Oh God. You have so many stories like that, um, Reverend Jewel. You have so many stories like that. But I look, I can't get past what uh, Wallace just said. Invisible fence. Yes. It was look. an invisible fence because, in fact, not only was it invisible, but it had like those electrical stand things that they have around the to keep, dogs, you know, yeah, so keep dogs in place. <laughs> yeah. You would be shocked if you got, if you went. Mm. Cross that that fence. Mm-hmm. Wow! Now you went to the choir stand, but you there was only a little path that you could take to get to the choir. Oh, stand. But oh, you, I did that. You couldn't come close to the pulpit at all. I know about that fence. Mm-hmm. I promise you. Wow! <laughs> Connie, Connie Jackson says that sexism in the black church is white racism in blackface. Ooh. I, I think that says Ooh, it. that says it. Uh, that's uh, it. Uh, uh, doc, doc, I'm sorry, Reverend London, Doctor London, Reverend. We're speaking in, into this, and we we there's so much more we can hear from you. But you you <laughs> open a Pandora's box. I ain't, I I I knew Texas was different when I got. There. I didn't know it was what <laughs> what you I, mean? I come looking for Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> you can't talk to me about Jesus in the church because. Cause this all I got. This what I want. I, I don't know. No, what? Yeah, She's really being lightweight. Painful, it's a painful place to, um, and it. Uh, you have to excuse me because I'm actually surprised that you're surprised. Uh, <laughs> 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 because we have lived with it, unfortunately, endured it for so long. So, so when I say being in a place like the church without walls is like an oasis. 
Uh, it, it truly is. And as a matter of fact, when I first um, held a Texas Baptist Women in Ministry gathering at the church, uh, some of the women in this particular congregation uh, who are ministers didn't understand why it was even necessary because they had never had those experiences because they have been so fortunate uh, to be in a well-watered place like uh, the Church Without Walls with a pastor who had, you know, opened the door uh, for women in ministry and, you know, women, female ministers who grew up, you know, watching women in the pulpit in this congregation, which again is an anomaly uh, in the city of Houston and the state of Texas. And That's so there are some very, very progressive churches, we would call them, Church Without Walls, Willa Avenue, et cetera. Uh, but there are so many more churches, smaller churches, who are who are not. And so uh, it is a life passion uh, to be able to set the captives free and for women to know that there is a space for them in the kingdom of God and for them to exercise and utilize the gifts that God has given to them and not to be afraid to do it. Because in leadership, in leadership, and not, and not just be subservient, but to be a leader. Yes. And you have you've you've um, cracked the glass ceiling in the Baptist church because what you're doing is unheard of. I've never I, I was impressed with your bio that you were able to do some things um, in ministry that many women that I know left the Baptist church that were very talented and went to a Methodist church, whether it be Christian Methodist, African Episcopal, or maybe even United Methodist because they were accepted. And I, I applaud that you stayed. I really, I really appreciate that. One of the person who helped me do that uh, was Dr. Pamela Durso, uh, who was the executive director of Baptist Women Ministry. And I met her uh, attending one of her gatherings at uh, George W. Truett Seminary. And she made the statement to say, because I considered, I had opportunities, opportunities to go Presbyterian. Uh, they actually opened the door for me and said, we want you to come. And of course, gave me the reasons why I knew it, because you know I was black and I was female, um, for Methodism as well. Uh, but she said, if everybody leaves, it will never change. And that was one of the uh, statements that really helped me. And of course, God's leading and God is to say, There's a, this is your assignment in this season of your life. And so I've not felt compelled uh, since then to leave because God has used that as a platform uh, to be able to help set others free. Wow. Praise the Lord. Wow. You talk about season. Share, share with us how, 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 I know it's not easy for you to transition in seasons, but share with us how, how you do with such grace and share with others in your transitional team ministry. Yeah, so um, that it, you hit the nail on the head when you say grace. Um, I am very aware that the only way that you can serve in a context, in any context of ministry, uh, is if God graces you. Mm -hmm. I always say you have to be called crazy or both 
uh, to serve and minister. <laughs> and on a good day, I feel all of those emotions in one. Uh, and so it is a grace that God has given me to serve, the grace that God has given me to serve in this particular context. It's a grace to serve and being Baptist. Uh, all of it is a grace. And at the same time, God has surrounded me with such an unbelievable network and uh, support system uh, to let me know that I am not alone on this journey. And for a long time, I can be honest and tell you that it felt like a wilderness uh, because I didn't know where the support was and I didn't know what I was doing. And there didn't seem to be doors of opportunity. Um, and then all of a sudden, one by one, God just started sending people to say, I'm with you. And I took and truthfully, I believe that the reason why uh, that wilderness journey had to happen for me is because I needed to hear, accept, and receive God's voice and understanding that he really did call me. Um, and once I came to that acceptance, seemed like that's when God began to surround me with the help that I needed because I just think that uh, God really wanted me to know and be assured because if man was the one to affirm me, then man mm. could easily pull it away from me. Mm. So I had to have that confident assurance that regardless of what anybody said, regardless of what challenges that I would encounter, that God was the one who called me and affirmed mm. me and that I am called and I am a preacher, minister, servant of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I had to get there. Ooh. I had to get there. You know, we were introduced to uh, Sambufu Some a few months ago. And she says that where the struggle is, where the pain is, is where your ministry will flourish. <laughs> yes. And that's, that's hard to hear. Um, because it's in that pain where God uses us. And I, I'm just really, really grateful that you hung in there. I, I remember Ed Wimberly uh, when I was at the ITC. Uh, and like you, were courted to leave the Baptist church. But he told me I was a, I was a John the Baptist in the wilderness. And I was preaching in the wilderness. <laughs> But I remained Baptist, and you're right, doors will open um, if you're faithful. And once you accept that, hey, God called me, I don't care if you don't like it. I God called me. So uh, thank you for just staying in the fight, because it's I a struggle. It is a struggle. It's, it's not as much of a struggle today uh, as it was then, but I'm telling you, I, as painful and difficult as it was, I can be honest and say that I wouldn't trade the journey because that's where my maturing took place. Um, that's where my confidence began to rise. Uh, that is where my strength came from. And I remember being in a season where um, I was serving under pastor and, and I'm sitting there saying, God, you called me, but he won't teach me. And I remember sitting in my bed and I had my Bible in my hand and I was just crying out to God and I was frustrated and I was angry and I was saying, God, he won't teach me. He won't 
teach me. And then all of a sudden I opened my eyes and I literally saw the word of God lift up off the page. And mind you, I just began to scream and say, it's alive, it's alive. <laughs> wow. wow. And so the word of God became so real to me in that moment. And God assured me beyond a shadow of a doubt that I was his chosen daughter and that he had called me and that there was nothing that the devil in hell could do to stop God's purpose on my life. That's right. If I tell you, and that's why I say there's nothing, There's I wouldn't trade the journey. Now, I couldn't say that then. Right. I can certainly say it today, that my journey was the journey that I had. And I would look at others and I would say, why does it look like and seem like they have it so easy? And they have these pastors who, you know, grow them up and give them opportunities and push open the doors. And we're talking about both men and women. I would see young men coming out of seminary or not even out of seminary, but, you know, confess their calling uh, to preach the gospel and they'll be licensed and ordained. And next thing you know, they got a church and here we are, got to wait until we're 50 and 60 years old to get opportunities in a pulpit and, you know, pastorates that, you know, there are not five and six people. You understand what I'm saying? And so, and so I'm sitting here saying, God, why? And again, because every person has a journey. And God takes us through that journey because he knows the responsibility that's coming along the way. And so we want to rush to get to the destination. But God said, if you rush, you want to appreciate where I'm taking you. Right. You'll abuse it and misuse it. And so it is true when the scripture says to whom much is given, much is required, because God has to prepare us for the place of responsibility that we think we want to have. That's it. And ministry looks glamorous at times, but it is not. And you have to be prepared for the journey. You have to be prepared for it. Mm. Because both responsibility and platform can destroy you. Woo! <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Especially, so talk to us. I need to say one more time. I need to say one more time. Responsibility and platform can destroy you. Responsibility and platform can destroy you. So talk to us about when members of the church may be trying to... You muted yourself, Wallace. Wallace, you muted yourself. I'm sorry. I thank you for that um, ministry and responsibility is for the journey. But talk to us about where the pain and the glory is when someone in the congregation wants, they don't tell you they want something from you, but they will tell you, oh, you preach better than the pastor. I ain't got to worry about that one. (laughs) Like my pastor is is, is the uh, Reverend Doctor Ralph Douglas West, uh, homiletician extraordinaire. That's true. Uh, so I don't I don't ever get that you preach better than a pastor. <laughs> however, however, uh, I said there is there is absolutely if you're gonna learn, learn from the best. That's right. And I tell you, he is by far 
uh, to me, the best politician on this side of God's green earth. Before we got started, I was sharing with you that he came to Victory Baptist Church years and years and years and years ago. My daughter, I know, was about eight, nine years old, and he preached about uh, how Jesus wrapped the towel. And it was so vivid that this eight-year-old could recite the sermon when it was over. So for me, that's really a homiletician. If you can reach the children and they remember what you say, that that's, that's saying something. Thank you for that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You talk about um, staying in a place um, and growing where you are, blooming where you are. And doing everything that you you're doing, um, and you talk about that door. We we've, we've been talking about this door for a year now, and allowing other people, others to walk through that same door. But you open the door, and you leave it open. Not only do you leave it open, you help women to walk through it. And and you do all of as I shared before. You do it all with grace. But how do you do all of these things? that you do and still manage to have some time for self-care or, or do you have time for self-care? That's a trick question, isn't it? Uh-huh. Remember <laughs> <laughs> uh, I said that there is, uh, you know, there are some good things that came out of the pandemic mm. uh, that happened during the pandemic uh, where one of those things was me realizing um how important my, my health is. Um, and here's what I mean by that. When I worked in corporate America, uh, one of the experiences I had that I never want to have again is burnout. Um, and burnout is real. Burnout is real in corporate America, is real in ministry. Uh, and it is a feeling I never, ever, 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 ever want to have again. Uh, because it can... Uh, you know, it can incapacitate you. Mm -hmm. um, it, it will stifle your creativity. Uh, it will, uh, stress on your body is unbelievable. Uh, there was a, a season that I went through that I was carrying so much stress that I literally thought I would have maybe some type of heart condition or whatever the case may be because I woke up and I literally could not move my arm. I would have to take one arm and stretch out the other one because my muscles had locked up. I went to the emergency room like maybe three times, uh, you know, trying to figure out what it was and they did x-rays and whatever the case may be and come to find out it was, it was stress. And so I had to learn some coping mechanisms. You know, when I began to feel the tension, uh, when I can't sleep at night, when I am uh, eating excessively, so learning my patterns. And the pandemic was a reminder because things were happening so fast. And uh, we had to figure out how we were going to make church work and had to discern, you know, uh, what we're going to do with the congregation. And then we have these natural storms happening and, you know, just so much. And I want to tell you, the word of God is an anchor. Mm. And I began to go back to the basics of making sure that I'm spending time in devotion and prayer every morning before I do anything else, 
and I was able to read through the entire Bible. I said, man, what a blessing in the midst of the pandemic, you know, and then I began to, um, I had started dropping weight, uh, probably, you know, probably about two years ago. And then right before the pandemic, I regained probably 30 of the pounds I had lost. And uh, just before the pandemic, I said, I do not want to go back to where I was and I can't afford to do that, especially working at home and the kitchen is right there. So you can go and fix what you want, go in the refrigerator and the pantry and all of that stuff. And so God just gave me a pattern that worked for me and the willpower. Uh, and I began to put these practices in place of taking care of myself. So instead of coming out of COVID, uh, with an extra 15, 30 pounds, I lost, you know, weight. So, you know, I, I think I've lost probably like 90 pounds of the last two years. And, um, and it has been the most amazing experience ever. And so I don't have the weight. And so I'm saying all of that to say, when we talk about self-care, my spiritual formation is very important to me. Uh, time in prayer, reading God's word, um, recognizing and acknowledging the fact that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and honoring that, uh, making sure I'm careful about what I feed myself and, you know, how I'm taking care of myself and, you know, trying to close these Apple Watch circles every day, you know. Uh, and let me tell y'all something. That there are times when I start out, I will be up to like 11.59, 11.59 trying to close that last circle. Uh, but those are the things that uh, have been helpful. So I've had to learn to care for myself is what I'm saying. And I repel anything that's going to take me out of God's place. I repel it. And I have to put boundaries in place to protect myself and not allow anybody or anything, regardless of who they are, to take me out of that place where I'm outside of God's place. But we don't want to glaze by that. We do not want to glaze by that. You don't allow anything in your space that will take you out of the will of God. But I don't want to glaze by 90 pounds. You just kind of swooped over that. <laughs> 90 pounds in a year. It was actually two years, over a two-year period. Somebody said, come on, type in, this, um, type it in the comment section. Amen. Amen. You are an inspiration to all of us. And we're just grateful to watch you watch the transformation um, occur. It's, it's wonderful. Thank you for being our example love. I, I'm just grateful. I want you to just I want you to talk about um, repelling. Can you go just say more about repelling? Um, because remember, I said that I had the. Um, uh, the burnout experience in, mm. in corporate America. You, you know, if we pay attention to our bodies, we 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 realize that we are um, seeping back into old habits and um, doing things that are not good for us, right? And so we all have that thing that we hold on to, you know that that's you know what I'm talking about. We all got a thing, right? We all got oh, a thing. Oh yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to call your thing out, but you know what your thing is. That's I know right. What thing is. We all got a thing. And so uh, food was my thing. And I should have had stock in Bluebell ice cream is what I should have had because I love Bluebell ice cream. Still do, as a matter of fact. I'm from Texas. 
Um, but when you begin to realize that you cannot be your best self, uh, when you realize that you, especially for those of us who struggle with saying yes and not learning the power of no, uh, you begin to realize that you just don't have, you have to put some boundaries in place to protect you. And so God really began to show me how to do that. My phone goes on silent uh, at nine o'clock every night so that I can get some rest. Um, I try not to take calls, you know, from, you know, work outside of a particular period of time so that I can enjoy my family. Um, I try to make sure that I limit the number of times I eat out of a paper bag, you know, so these boundaries I've had to put them in place so that I can be my best self, so I can be my better self for the kingdom. And it makes a difference because I cannot serve God wholeheartedly and I'm trash and my life is trash, right? And so holiness is real. Uh, It still exists uh, regardless of the fact that we try to act like it doesn't and don't want to mention it in the pulpit too much anymore. Uh, And so I try to live my my life, not only for myself, but before my children, because I don't want them to see uh, mom in the pulpit and say she's a totally different person at home. So they are my litmus test. And, you know, if I feel like there's anything I'm doing that's going to cause them not to honor me, then I think twice about it, three times about it, four times about it uh, before I make that move. I want them to be proud of me. That's that's an incredible way to, or you said litmus test, and, and it's an, it's incredible to hear a preacher, because we have so many preachers that live double lives, and for us to hear you say, "No, I want to be the same here, here, and here," so I'm so grateful to know. I'm grateful to know you anyway. But to hear to hear you talk about yes, for real, to hear you say that I holiness is right, and we don't preach it enough in the pulpit because we want everybody to like us. Carol, you are an amazing woman of God. I know we have just a few minutes, but I do want to just answer this question. You're you're very close to to Dr. West. That's I, <laughs> I just want to know what are, if there are any, the pitfalls being so close to the pastor. Because I know, but come to you. I know. I already know. I know. <laughs> wait, wait, he is the, I'm not going to lie. He is the consummate joker. He is the consummate joker. And, uh, and it's hard when uh, when you're sitting in the pulpit next to Paz and he cracked a joke and it's like, and it's so funny. Uh, one of my friends always sent a, a text message. She'll say, what are y'all talking about? Uh, because he will, he will, <laughs> he will uh, joke and then, and I can't concentrate. I just like lose all focus. So if there is, if there is a pitfall, uh, then that is it because, and you know, you're supposed to have this straight face, you know, be serious in ministry, be the representative. 
you know, before the congregation, but he is the worst man. He's the, <laughs> he's the last person you want to sit next to at church. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I know we got what two minutes, but I want I want you to talk about IC three. I want you to share with the people how they can register next next time next year. Yeah. So IC three, uh, it is the absolute best, and of course, I'm I'm biased. That's uh, right. IC three. Uh, <laughs> development conference uh, is the vision of Dr. West, uh, a way for him to help pastors and leaders um, build their congregations, uh, feed their churches, their communities, their culture. Um, and every year he's been hosting this uh, church growth and development conference uh, that is designed to serve you and your congregation. And so we just had our virtual conference, uh, April the 27th through the 29th. But guess what? We're still on demand. So you can go to ic3churchconference.org and register for on demand. There are over 50 virtual breakout sessions uh, mm -hmm. that are available for you to go back and watch with your leaders uh, to help you through this next year. And then for 2022, uh, we're going to have a blowout year. We always start the physical mm -hmm. conference with a golf tournament. So April the 25th will be the Ralph Douglas West Golf Classic. And then the 26th through the 29th, uh, which includes a Friday this time, will be the conference. So you get to come to Houston, Texas uh, to a safe space and hang out with us. Uh, but it is a phenomenal conference of preaching, a story time, which you get to hear the uh, hurts and pains and successes of some phenomenal leaders across the country. And then... Goo gobs, that's the technical term. Goo gobs are breakout sessions uh, for both you and your leaders. Uh, and certainly want to say thank you so much for giving me space and opportunity to come and uh, share with you. Thank you. Thank you um, for being with us on today. If you would just hang around for us um, backstage and audience, if you would let um, uh, Dr. Jill London know how much you appreciated her presence on today. Um, let me share, if I will, that on next week, um, we will have with us the Reverend Dr. Essie Clark George. She is a retired pastor and presiding elder. And uh, we will talk about things she would change. Now looking back, having retired, things she would change. You do not want to miss this conversation on next week. Thank you all for being with us. And we look forward to you, if God says the same, to seeing you on next week. Bye-bye.